Welcome to From the Raptors, a podcast brought to you by Varsity Partners. Varsity Partners is a design-led, fan-forward company that provides creative and strategic solutions for brands and sports properties. And now here's your host, Vice President of Varsity Partners, Pat Flynn. Today we got a special treat. Uh, we got the founder of Leona Marketing, Dan Gale, with us today. Dan, welcome to the From the Raptors podcast. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate you having me. This is a little cool to be on the other side of the mic uh, and not have to write up the questions for once. We are going to take advantage of that. We do like putting you in this position. So uh, I wanted to start from the beginning. You've had a lot of success recently with Leona Marketing Group, but uh, I want to hear about Dan Gale pre-Leona. Take us back. Tell us how you got started, rolling, and then ended up at Leona. Uh, I, I appreciate that. You know, it's going to sound like a Tom Petty or a Journey song here. Just a small town kid kind of growing up. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm from Heislerville, New Jersey, population 424 total people. Uh, and the Leona story will come back to that uh, location. But, yeah, I went to a small high school. Everybody knows it now, Millville, Mike Trout. I, I say I taught him everything I know. He was our bat boy back in the day. <laughs> Dad was our coach. But small high school. I wanted to be, I mean, I was a good student, uh, class president, all that, football player, and my dad coached. I wanted to be a coach. You know, originally thought I wanted to be an architect and then decided I wanted to go into coaching. Got recruited pretty heavily for track and field out of college. Ended up going to East Stroudsburg University of PA because they were the only school that let me do football and track and financially go into the Patriot Leagues. This was pre-scholarships. My father's retired prison guard. One of the greatest influences of my life, but we didn't have a lot of money. So I went to East Stroudsburg, and it was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I love love my guys up there. Uh, Jimmy Twig, the new football coach, doing some great things, helping them out. But got to go to ESU, do football and track, fully thinking that I was going to be a football player. I'm going to go to the NFL. And then I realized I was not good at football. Uh, I was a pretty good track guy, but went up there, great coaching, you know, Pat Flaherty, uh, Vic with the the Broncos, James Franklin. You know, a lot of great coaches came through ESU. Oh, yeah. yeah, so it was. Uh, I, I say it. Penn State had to go to the real football school to get a get a coach. So in the <laughs> state, but it was it was great. Went to ESU, and and you know how things would have it. I almost transferred for track and field my sophomore year, but decided to stick. And then after my junior year, I got all American, but my shoulder, I'd have reconstructive surgery. New AD comes in and says, hey, you can't play football your senior year. Come work for me. And I'm like, what, what does working in an athletic department mean? Uh, well, at a Division <laughs> two, it meant painting the fields. Shot clock went out one game. Probably my favorite day, the shot clock went out. I had to run to the local A store and pick up a bulb so that way the shot clock would work for the second half. Um, <laughs> it, was, it, it, was, it was great. And I was like, I called my dad. I was like, I don't want to be the coach. I want to be the boss. And, and I wanted to be an AD. And, you know, so I still had another year left of eligibility, was debating. And this is right back early 2000 when the NCAA came out and said, you could transfer for your senior year. So I was debating it. And then I ultimately said, no, ESU is where I was going to stay and I was going to go for the Division II National Championship, which that and about $3, I still can't get a cup of uh, coffee from Starbucks. <laughs> but I, I stayed. Uh, it was great. It worked another full year in the department. I was already almost ready to graduate. So I'm taking no class. I took one credit my last semester uh, just to be eligible, but worked the whole year in the athletic department, did the online auctions, or actually this was 
we did a TV auction. This was actually great. Local Blue Ridge Cable. <laughs> we got a local car dealer to donate a car and just auction. Did everything you possibly could to make money. And I fell in love with it, man. Like I fell in love with the industry. I fell in love with everything. And then I got into UNC Chapel Hill, uh, the sports admin grad program. I thank God they took a chance on a kid that didn't even own a suit until he bought it before he jumped on a plane to go down there for interview weekend. Um, <laughs> and I, I fell in love down there even more and ultimately thought I wanted to be the AD at East Stroudsburg when I left. And then I get down to Chapel Hill and was there three years working in the department. It's a great program for anybody listening that wants to be in college athletics. You know, you get a full ride to go to Chapel Hill and then you work in the athletic department. Uh, so it was awesome. Uh, and wow. I really, yeah, it's, it's a great, they only take nine people every year. Uh, so I didn't think I was going to get in. I mean, I honestly didn't. And, uh, and now people I've met from there, some of my best friends and, and people that have helped in Leona that will come back to, you know, guys like Jay Bat, uh, head of fundraising at, at, uh, Alabama, Aaron Dunham, who's at Clemson schools that have helped through the year. Um, Amanda Braun, AD at Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Eric Rodell, the deputy AD at Oregon. And the list goes on and on of great people. And Bernadette McGlade, you know, we're doing some work with her now with Leona. But our roots even go back to the Carolina days. So Carolina really just helped me open up and see the world. I mean, in every step along the way, it was like, wow, wow. And got to Carolina and realized there's big money in college athletics. And, and I just made it my point over that time to understand how the money worked. How, the, how did it all go? And my last year there, I worked for Learfield fell in love with the sales process, you know, was no longer competing in track and field and just retired after the trials. And I had said, man, I'm going to go all in and started working for Learfield, then went to CBS out at the Air Force Academy. How, how, did, so, Learfield, how did Learfield come to be? How, how did that? So, so um, it's actually well, great. First of all, what was Learfield like at the time? But how did you get it? Yeah. How did that you know, work? so it's actually interesting. The way it worked in North Carolina, you know, you were tied in on an internship. They paid for your school. So that first year, you got a full-time job with one area and the area I got the job with was Learfield for a year. And so it was a year with them and it was awesome. Uh, Gary Sobel was the GM, good old G Sobes. Um, got to learn a lot from him. Yeah. And it was, it was from a sales perspective, there were three really good salespeople there at the time. There was Art Shansky, there was Gary Soba and there was Seth Reeves and all three of them sold so differently. And I saw, but they sold about who they were. And, and, and I got to learn from them over a year. Uh, and it was awesome, man. I, it, was a, it was great. Uh, at the time, my job, it was a one-year job. You were with them. And I had the chance to go work at Learfield at another property. Or CBS offered me a job actually at two different properties at LSU or Air Force. And the Air Force job opened. And I said, yeah, that's where I want to go. They, they, I saw it. It was a great opportunity. It was, I would, you'd be the number two, basically, at Air Force selling at the young age of 25 years old. Um, and it was great. I mean, Learfield is a great company. You know, I learned a lot. Sales training through them, you know, follow-up uh, and, and how to build a proposal. I mean, I, I still teach a sales and development class where I'd say 80% of what I learned came from Learfield. Wow. How does it work today between you know, what you do for your, for universities and athletic departments and, and what Learfield does? Well, you know, it, it's why what we do at Leona is what we do because of where I came from, you know, and, and I worked on that side of the table, not just with Learfield, but I spent, you know, six years with CBS, uh, ranging from selling at Air Force to then building the property at Old Dominion and then growing it 
uh, the East Region guy overseeing Maryland, Towson, Old Dominion. So knowing that what I know from that side is really what took us to Leona. You know, when I left the multimedia rights world, ADs came to me when I was working with Vivid Seeds. Uh, and they'd all come to me and say, hey, do I got a good Learfield deal? Do I have a good Nike deal? And I said, that's so hard to just say. And anybody that tells you because XYZ school got this, you should get this, has no idea what they're talking about. Because every property is so different. So I think at right. first, you know, the rights holders were a little bit like, oh, who's this guy coming in? And, you know, what does he know about it? Whereas now there's a respect on both sides. I mean, as you look at it, it it's, it's we know the margins. We understand. Like if a school's billing $2 million with a $3 million guarantee, we're going to tell the AD, hey, look, they're underwater. You know, that they're not making money on that property. And, oh, you're not taking into account the expenses. What are the radio rights? What's going on with pro? Like, we can speak that language unlike anyone else in the marketplace. And it's why we've really blown up with, with helping schools because, you know, we know both sides of the table. And I say that in anything in life, you know, whether you're buying a new car, you know, know what the costs are, know what the margins are, know everything about it, become a student of the other side of the table. And that's where, you know, having that background, I think it, it was very, very helpful because I realized that no one was doing it that way. There was a lot of people out there advising. There were, you know, big media companies doing it. There were other people that started their own company, but they were using metrics that were stuff that we never brought up at a boardroom in CBS of saying, oh, hey, what's the student population? That had nothing to do with it. You know, like, what were the metrics? What are you going to make mm. on it? Okay, what are the assets? So, that's what led us to build our tool, the mass evaluation. When we come in to help a school, we look at their market, we look at their assets, and we look at how they can structure it. State school guy, I keep it pretty simple. And, and then what that market means, though, is what's your relevance in that market? Not, hey, we're in Charlotte. Hey, we're in Baltimore. What's your relevance in that market? And, and then what assets hmm. do you have? Is, you know, as you look at it, and, and you've been on that side of the table, and, and you know, Right. Every school has different assets. What are the categories? What are the, you know, what can you do with it? And, and what is campus doing to work with you? Then let's talk about structuring the deal. Let's figure all this other stuff out first. And, and we've gotten proprietary methods that we've used. And it's why we've been really, really successful on helping both sides of the table. Very interesting. And, and yeah, I, I agree 100%. And, and the proof is in the pudding with, with some of the recent kind of success that you've had but uh before some of that success i mean what do you think um i guess what was the moment when, when you feel like you really broke through and and like you had something here um and what do you think was the direct cause of that before you had that reputational buildup of this recent success you know it, it's interesting so we started leon in 2016 after leaving vivid and first year, we're still helping out with another software company and, and, and really doing it on the side. But, you know, 2017, it, it was it was interesting. I made, a, I, I made a deal with my wife. Every six months, we'd have a check-in. Every six months, where are we at financially? What are we doing? And I tell this to anybody, you got to have a good partner. And my partner was my wife. Um, and when we started it through, of just, okay, we can do this. You can go for this. And she was the one that actually kind of pushed me and saying, look, all these ADs have asked you, you've got these relationships, which... You know, the, the question is of how, how it's grown. Relationships are, are one facet of it. You know, we had the trust, had the relationships that were there from other avenues, whether it was Vivid, whether it was CBS, um, back to North Carolina. Like I said, even in grad school, 
Um, you know, it was it was in 20, 2017. I remember that six month check in with my wife going, I got no idea where the next six months is coming from. And I remember it being one of the toughest moments of my life and saying, I, I don't know what to do next. And she said, give it six more months. We'll figure it out. And in that six months frame, we picked up, you know, the first year with one client, three clients. And then we picked up four just in a, a three month span. And it was like, oh my gosh, okay, great. People are starting to see the proof in the pudding. And it was other ADs calling ADs saying, yo, you got to work with this guy. Like they, they know what they're doing over there. And then, you know, and then the, the apparel side started picking up, you know, in 17, 18, doing a few deals. And that's really blown up for us on helping schools with the change of the metrics over there. You know, helped nine deals in the last 12 months on that side. Um, and it's just, it's it's using a systematic approach of just saying, look, this is these are the metrics, these are these are how we can help you, um, and it's being honest. You know, some people think we're just going to come in and blow smoke of saying, oh, we're going to get you these huge deals. No, we're gonna we're gonna help you do what's best for you. And I don't know what's best for East Stroudsburg or North Carolina until we evaluate the whole situation. So I'm not going to make any promises. We're not going to promise. Oh, we're going to double your deal. Oh, we're going to do this. And yeah, we've done that at places, but it's only been after we've done our, our process. And hey, look, I grew up in Philly area, South Jersey. I, I steal this one all the time from the Sixers. Tr trust the process, you know? So our, our processes <laughs> right. worked and, and, and it was, now I go back to that, that 2017 meeting with my wife of just saying, I don't know where it is. And she said, just trust yourself, keep going. And, and then it, it took off. And now three years later, just being able to help over 50 plus schools and partners and add more daily has been great. So exciting, Dan. Yeah. I mean, just as we were getting on here, uh, you mentioned you had another contract coming in. Um, so impressive to hear, to hear what you're building. If you had to pinpoint, you know, one person either internally at Leona or, or externally in the business world, who, who's been the most helpful to, to Dan Gale um, and the success of Leona? Uh, I, I, like I said, my, my wife's been huge. Um, but, we, but what I did, too, is I also built a good group of advisors. You know, I've got a great group of advisors around me. Mike Murchie, who's a former president of M&T Bank, um, you know, helping us on that side. Sean Sullivan, who spent time at Under Armour and Sully. Reebok. Yeah, Sully. Got to get a shout out to Sully. Great, 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 great guy. Great Speaking friend. Speaking of South Jersey. Uh, he, 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 well, well, yeah, he's say, yeah, don't say, don't mix it up with him. You know, he's a Philly guy. If you say South Jersey, he'll he'll, uh, he'll definitely correct you. He's pure Philly. Um, so Absolutely. he's one of, one of the best in the business. Great guys. I know you know him well. Uh, so he's been very helpful on that side. Uh, Brett Jones, you know, who who was a young kid three years ago, took a chance on us as a GA, and has now really helped become one of my right hands. Uh, multiple other people have worked with us, but. You know, he took a risk and had a chance to go somewhere else, and now it's paying off for the young kid. Who I tell anybody that's listening, um, that's a, that's a thirty under thirty, hands down, on what that guy's done um, in, in everything. He's just a, an absolute rock star, and one day he's probably I'll probably be working for him. But you know, it you know, and it's been the group of ads. You know, guys like Nate Pine, who when he was at Holy Cross, we became friends. He trusted me out of the gate, and I helped him look at some things at Holy Cross for him. Uh, that, that really helped kind of learn the model um, and, and too many ADs to name that we've worked with over the years. But, you know, guys like Mark Benson, who are on Casey Seglis, uh, who we had relationships with that, that are that are all great people. But Dr. Thomas, you know, Dennis Thomas with the MEAC was somebody that took a chance on us early on. 
um, you know, as well, and running the RFP for for their conference that now led. We've done eight conferences now. So it, there's been so many people that have helped, and and like now now I've got two young kids, and what I see is you know my my wife and I don't just raise them; it's our family. Even as tough as it's been with the pandemic you know, right now, but it takes a village and it, and it takes a whole industry. And I think there's so many great people out there. And the thing I love the most, as you guys both know, it's, it's the people in this industry. You know, it, I tell it, uh, we get a lot of calls from vendors and third parties. They're saying, oh, what's the advice on working in college athletics? And I say, you got to have a little bit of a screw loose, you know, because if you're going to work through the system that, you know, has RFPs, has this, well, this school has to go this way. Maybe you can sole source here. Oh, dude, like everyone's so different, but I love it. I mean, and I love the relationships. And like I said, it goes back to the East Stroudsburg days and North Carolina, you know, of wanting to be that small school AD. And it's a great, great industry and one that there's just way too many good people in. And that's where I think now what we've been able to do is we, we understand. We've got empathy of knowing what they're going through. How do we help them solve problems? Like that's the biggest thing. If you can... I tell this to anybody, if you can solve problems for people, you're always going to make money. You know, we, my wife and I moved out to Crownsville area out of Baltimore. And the first thing now we got an acre and a half that needs to get cut. I don't have 10 hours to go mow. I don't even own a mower. So like the, so to solve a problem, a friend of ours said, hey, you need to talk to this guy. He did, came in. It's the best check I write every week. He knocks it out. I get time to play with my kids. And I outsource managing my lawn. You know, so I think that's what... I've looked at it saying for ADs, how do you help them strategically outsource? You know, how do you help them maximize their time? We can help on that. But there's also so many great people that are out there in terms of, you know, companies like Learfield, Van Wagner, JMI, you know, Playfly that's come in and the the apparel side as well. So how do you strategically outsource the best? And then some people do say, oh, hey, we can do it internally. Great. You only know that when you look at who you are. Yeah, how do you, how do you how do you get them to say, you know what, we can't do this on our own. We can't make this decision ourselves. We need someone like Dan and Leona to come in. How, how do you convince them of that? Well, you know, I I think I, I saw um, Lynch just put something out on LinkedIn. The, the easiest people to sell is a salesperson. You know, like and you tell them, look, I know your time. We have the empathy of it. I know what you're going through. Look, we can cut this and we can do this. We can do this. Like. We just got off a call before this uh, with a state RFP we're helping. And the, the head of procurement goes, thank you. Like, you're helping us. Like, I have no idea. I just did an RFP for pens. I have no idea about a third-party multimedia rights agreement, potentially outsourcing tickets. And it's like, wait, what did you say? So it's really just telling them, look, you can do this on your own. I use the analogy a lot. It's like a real estate agent. We, we could sell and put up our house on our own, but there's so much to it. There's nuances. There, there's ways of you can get a better structured deal. I don't always say better money. I always say better structure, making sure that the contracts are right, making sure you're not in a situation where you're in ha- golden handcuffs moving forward. You can't do anything. Making sure that you're totally in the right position moving forward. And, and look, out of the gate, it was kind of tough for, for people to understand, like, well, wh- why would you do this? Like, what do I need you for? I can do this on my own. I said, yeah, you can, but we can do it better. And I use that analogy of mowing the lawn a lot. Like, hey, they come in, they've got the right equipment, they've got the right team, they can come in and they knock it out in 30 minutes where that takes me 12 hours on my own that I don't have with my kids. And it's the same thing for ADs. We come in, we can do it right. It'll be done the right the first time. 
and they now got they can focus on their internal operations or or other areas and, and their kids, the student athletes and helping them focus on what's best and knowing that they've got a partner helping them through the process. Right. Right. And and based on that, you know, are you seeing a new appetite now for, you know, this type of consulting? And if so, I mean, who would you say your biggest competitor uh, in the space would be? I, I still think our biggest competitor is people that, that are that want to do it themselves. You know, it's to do it yourself. I mean, that's what mm. most ADs. I had one AD who we're helping right now through a really tough spot that they're in. He said, Dan, I've never been an AD to use any outside help, you know, any outside help. And, you know, when I get calls from this school telling me this guy will help you, this school, it, it, it's really, you know, it's a new way of doing it. And there's there's other people that have done it in the past, um, you know, but I'd say from where from where we're at right now, our, our approach has just been different. And, you know, it's just taking knowledge from the other side of the table. You mentioned it, board of advisors, and I mentioned Sully, myself, having been on that other side, you know, also what the, the, the client is thinking, but you also know what the vendor is thinking. So be able to do that helps on both sides. So no, I, I think it's, I think it's become more accepted. You know, and, and early on, you'd see people do one deal a year, two years. We did 25 in one year helping people, you know, so it was it, it, and our models a little bit different. I, I want to help everybody. You know, I want to find a way to help every institution. Heck, I'm, I'd help East Stroudsburg get a better deal, you know. So it, at the end of the day, that's what we want to try to do, because there's such a need for, for help out there. And you have so much on your plate as an AD that. If you if you try to do it all on your own, you know, it, it's never going to work. So find someone that can help you get your get your get your house built. You know, another analogy I use, not the real estate agent, I use the general contractor. I feel like there's times where a general contractor in the athletic department helping them figure out, all right, what's best? Do I go this way? Do I not? Look, you're ultimately deciding what type of windows you want, what siding you want. But we're going to bring some options to the table. So. That way you don't have to go research everything and do it. It's, okay, here's this. Here's where it's at. You make the decisions. But that time, I had a buddy who built his own house and pretended to be a general contractor through someone else, and it took so much time for him. Now, he loves his house. It worked out, but it took him almost two years. I, if I'm building a house, I'm bringing in an expert, and I'm bringing in somebody that's <laughs> going to do it right for me. Um, you know, So, it, so I, 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 to answer your question, I think, I think it's become more accepted because we're helping everybody. I mean, we're not, they, you know, Washington used a consultant, you know, the Penn State, all these top schools used to, but I mean, we're helping USC Upstate. We're helping Wisconsin, Milwaukee, UTRGV, you know, everybody needs help. And that's where I looked at it and said, you know, don't just look at the, the top 10 schools in the country. Everybody needs to and find a model that can work for them. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's very interesting. And we've been we've been seeing it as well. So, you know, you mentioned some of these. And, and by the way, you've mentioned East Stroudsburg enough on this call. I mean, East Stroudsburg, call Dan Gale now. <laughs> I mean, let's go. Get something done. What are you I, waiting I, I, for? I, 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 trust me, I'm already helping Jimmy. So I got to plug him a little bit get, there. You know, I get a chance. All right, good. Get him while he's willing to give the alumni discount. I'm running out. But all right, you, you mentioned some, some of these recent deals, um, you know, shoe and apparel, Multimedia rights, you've been having a lot of success there, but something recently at a uh, Power 5 school that just came together, talk to us about um, what's going on in Pullman that you, that you just recently completed. So it was actually great. Uh, I was out in Pullman on Friday for the announcement for Gisa Field, 
uh, which is becoming the new home of the Washington State Cougars. So really excited. And this one worked on the other side of the table. Um, did not work with Washington State. I think that's a misconception out there. A lot of people are, oh, you helped Washington State. No, they Learfield IMG was the, the lead there, worked with ISE. We actually repped Gisa. And, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, my father always said luck is when skill meets opportunity. And it's something that I've always kept with, with myself. And there was a day we were in the office during the pandemic, but we were actually moving offices and had plans. Uh, and I had the, the guys were all up there. I get this random phone call that says, uh, is this Dan Gale? And I said, yeah, yes, it is. It says, well, uh, this is a company that would like to talk to you as we hear we, you negotiate with Learfield IMG. I said, uh, yeah, we, we've negotiated with all rights holders. Who's this? Uh, and it says, uh, please sign an NDA and then we can talk. And, and I'm, okay. So I was a little, little intrigued. And uh, there's a guy <laughs> named Cisco Smith who led the point for Gisa and has now become a dear friend. We helped through the whole process of negotiating on behalf of them and, and working through making sure the protections were there, uh, the assets were there, the value was there. When it went through everything with them from start to finish and it was just great to be out there and celebrate because, uh, you know, Geese is the second largest credit union in Washington. They're blowing up right now. They've, they've had two mergers recently. Great group of people. Um, and what I said to them from the beginning, once they told me it was Washington State, I said, look, the people on the other side are really good, too. You know, we had actually it's actually funny. Uh, Chris Park, the deputy, we helped UTEP. He was on the other side. So we worked together at UTEP. Uh, and wow. then he was on that. Andrew Popchek, who's the GM, I mentioned I was at Air Force. He replaced me at Air Force when I left to go to Temple. So, like, just so many little nuances on that uh, through it. Great people. Um, but it was still a pretty heated <laughs> process on, on a lot. And and I and I, I was so lucky to work with Gisa, and we're still working with them on, on other things. And it was really cool uh, to work with them. And just great people, both sides of the table. And, and not to leave, Pat Sean is just a rock star. Uh, I mean, I'll say this. He's, he's one of the best ADs that are out there and what he's been able to maneuver. And for, for those of you get to have not been out there, Pullman's a beautiful town, too. I've uh, been out there a couple times now. Uh, did a socially distanced meeting out there in, uh, back in the fall and was just there for the announcement. Uh, but it was it's definitely something that's been really exciting. It was great to work on and really cool to get to be there for the, the culmination with them. and. And fun to rep the uh, the credit union side uh, of it as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I mean, going through that, you know, what would you say kind of the differences that you notice between, you know, the brand side versus the property side, if if, if any at all? You know, it's, it's, that was something new for you, right? No, I mean, so we've done it before. So when I was on the, you know, the the brand side before, when I was at Vivid, doing all Vivid's deals, buying buying those, securing those, and actually negotiating against Learfield there at multiple places. And I say against, it's never against. I don't think it should always be you're negotiating with. And, you know, so as uh, on this side, you know, the big difference for me was learning about the credit union side, you know, like. I just bought a new car recently and I was there for nine hours. My wife's like, what took you so long? Like I wanted to learn every ounce of how they make money, the dealership, where it comes through. That's just how my mind works. And, you know, went through it and then walked away with a really good deal that they didn't even realize uh, they, they did. It was just the timing, but it's the same <laughs> thing here. It was learning about the, you know, how they work, what's their funding. Okay. The debit cards, credit cards, what's important, 
you know, what's their, what, what do they value from a client? What's their cost of acquisition of a client? So learning all that side was so key to then talking through. And, you know, I, I kind of joked, there was one point in the negotiation where Gisa really wanted something really important and we're worried about how they'd ask about its IMG. Well, it was an asset that I'm sitting there, like I said, on that side of the table, that's easy. Like I'll ask for triple that of yeah. what you want. And then there, there was something else that they were like, oh, I don't know about that. And, and it was so hard on this side. So it was really, it was in the same capacity of what we do on some of the multimedia rights side and apparel being in the middle, you know, and, and I've really liked it. I joke, we're not in the business of divorces. We're in the business of happy marriages. And we're in the, we're in the business of connecting people. And some days that means you're the, you know, <laughs> you're talking the divorce, but there's other days that means we're the mediator. And and I think we, we got to flip back and forth through that. And there's some times where you've got to be the hard person in the relationship. And it was really cool learning more about an industry that I didn't know much about that industry. Now, the marketing side, the brand side, it, it, it's all the same. But just learning about what makes that industry tick on the credit union side what was probably the coolest part outside of, you know, working with Richard, with Don and, and Cisco through the process. It was really, really neat to just learn a new industry. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really interesting. <laughs> the fact that they kind of approached you NDA style. It, it sounds like have a question about multimedia rights called Dan Gale and uh, he, he's willing to work for you. Dude, that's awesome. Really cool. Well, during the really pandemic, cool. I mean, no, I appreciate it. But during the pandemic, we, we talked to everybody. I and mean, everybody that called that was kind of freaking out, like, oh, my gosh, I don't know what's going on. What do I do? What do we, are we playing? Are we not? I said, look, just, the free advice we told everybody was take a deep breath. You know, take a deep breath. We'll right. all figure this out together. You know, you're seeing this coming from here. You're seeing this coming. And every situation is going to be different. You can't say, hey, what did John do here or Sally do there? You need to look at your own situation. And that's what I've told everybody from the beginning. You know, it's like financial advice. People love to give financial advice to everybody. Oh, I was, I had to go pick up the pizza for my son. So my son turned one. That's why I had to take the red eye back. So I got to go pick up the pizza and I get in the car and I'm listening to these people on the radio talk financial advice on a third day. And I'm listening to this going, this makes no sense for me. Like, and, or, or my parents, that are in different, I'm like, this doesn't fit for me. And the problem is too many people, I believe, take one size fits all advice and try to just give that to everybody. And, and that's where on our side, it's, it's hey, I, I can't give you the advice on one phone call. I can tell you just, hey, take a deep breath, go through it. But if you want to do it right, you got, you got to work with somebody that's going to be your partner through it. You know, they're going to help you through the whole process. It's not just, hey, one for, can I pay you hourly by one phone call? Like, no, you're, you're going to miss stuff. And, and, I, and I've turned that down. We've had schools call and say, well, can you just take a quick look at this for me? And I say, no. That's not what we do because it's not going to help you and it's going to hurt us because ultimately someone's going to come back and say, well, hey, he told us this. It's like, well, no, we didn't have the full picture. If you don't have the full picture, you can't give the best advice. Like I said, same as financial analysis, same as – and I use a lot of analogies. My guys used to call them denalogies back at uh, Vivid, but I believe that they're <laughs> – I believe it helps paint the picture. And I don't know, maybe if it's my undergrad in teaching or what, but – I really think it helps be able to see it. You're like, you know what? That's right. Too many people tell me, oh, hey, you got to be investing in this company or you got to be doing that. Like, that may not fit for you. Like, you need your own strategy. And that's what I love is, you know, I did my Strength Finder 2.0, which I make everybody who works for me do. And the number one for me was competitive, shocking. But number two was individualistic and futuristic. 
and looking at each person as an individual and how they can be futuristic in their test. That's what I love. And I think that that's the, that's what's really fun getting to help all these different situations. And that's what every school is so different. We just advise one school of saying, Hey, be very careful. You're in a situation. You've got to fix some things first before you even outsource. Another school, we said, Hey, let's go get to market. You're ready to go. Like you can't say the same. It's not cookie cutter. And I think that's the problem. I've heard too many people coming out saying, Oh, you need to pull your rights back in house. or you need to do that. I, I don't know if that's the right decision for it. And, and until you look at it, I know how hard it is to try to build internally and stuff. I'm not just going to say, yeah, go ahead, go do that. And, and I told that to ADs, I said, look, don't make rash decisions. That's the toughest. That, that's when you see problems. When people go, you know, foolish, we like to say, let's, let's go fast, but not foolish. Yeah, this uh, Tim hopping in here, man, on this end, love hearing the stories, uh, you know, about how you've built the company, uh, the success that you've had both with brands and property and everybody else uh, kind of tied in. But something you just said, uh, you know, with your strength finder or whatever it was, talking about helping people find their future and something that we like to do uh, when we're talking to different people, um, you know, is like growing that next generation. And so from your perspective in the industry, um, you know, what is uh, some non uh, cookie cutter advice uh, that you provide to somebody that is either up and coming in the industry or even looking to, you know, initially get their, you know, get their uh, step in as well? No, it's, 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 it's actually something I really love. So I still teach a graduate class at VCU. So I, I love the next up and comers where I found Brett when he was a GA and came over and now the kids stuck with me. Um, but we've also had an intern every year come from Delaware. And every year we've had that intern. Well, their first one, actually, she came from Clemson um, and she wanted to go a different route. She's now working with IMB, I, IBM and killing it, doing a phenomenal job. But then we've had three other interns come through with Delaware. And one of my favorite things is seeing where they start from and where they finish, you know, and, and what I said to them is the first thing you got to do is know who you are, you know, to thine own self, be true, you know, know what you are, know what you're good at. Like I'll give a great story. When I was that age, I almost ended up in the business office at North Carolina. And I love the guys that were Josh Boone. We just helped with uh, Aaron Dunham was in the bit. Some of the greatest guys that I've ever dealt with. That wasn't the right fit for me. Like I knew myself, I knew I would go crazy, just Excel spreadsheets, which is actually funny now as an owner, I look at those things like nonstop, but I, I knew I was more of an external person. I knew I wanted to be out. And, and that's why the Learfield side is the way I ended up ultimately going uh, of learning about selling and competing and, and, and going through it, knowing what my skills are. So the first thing I tell all those people is to thine own self, be true. Know, know who you are. What, what do you want to do? Like, I ended up teaching a class at Delaware three years ago. And the first day I come in and I say, all right, it's a sports marketing class. I got emergency call to fill in from a friend. So I teach for the semester. First class, I go, all right, everybody, tell me who you are and why you want to work in sports. I will tell you there's 47 kids. 47 kids said, uh, I'm Dan. I want to work in sports because I like sports. So it gets done. And my problem is I'm probably a little too honest for my own good. It gets done. I said, look, here's the, I don't remember any of you. You all just told me the exact same thing. You did nothing to stand out. Like you did nothing like to say, hey, I want to do this because I was here or, you know, oh, I want to be in this area. I said, you've got to figure out the path you want to go. You know, people always courting and say, oh, I want to work in sports because it's fun. 
it ain't that fun sometimes people like i mean it's you know <laughs> I, I, it, it's it's because like i i'm not as much of a fan as i used to be you know i'm, I'm not yeah. watching you know I, I, at night i find myself watching more how i met your mother reruns or scrubs reruns to kind of shut down Two great shows, by the way. I'm not getting paid by them. Either, but. Uh, the fact that you take those two out, and I don't know if we've talked about this in the past, but they are on my list of reruns consistently. So right so we, list, we've we got, are, they are we'll not on my list. Oh, you're missing out. You're missing out. By the way, Laugh Network, I'm giving a plug here for a free antenna network, How I Met Your Mother from 9 to 12 p.m. every night. So <laughs> right. after we put the kids down, we'll, we'll, we'll watch a little bit of that. Just a great show. Um, and that was about the same time in life when it came out. So it just brings back some memories of college and then your first job living out there. Of, you know, so it was, it was cool. But back to kind of what you're saying, the, the young person vice, you've got to grow. You know, so the first thing is I, I ended up when I went to Temple for that short period, I was in Temple for like less than a cup of coffee. I think it was a sip of coffee. And I, I was helping them with events and man, like I hated that part. I wanted to get out on the road. I wanted to see people. And but my grandmother had cancer and I wanted to get back. It's why I left Air Force and I went back. I was literally gone for five months from CBS and came back uh, when they got the rights at Old Dominion and it just took off from there. But I told him, I said, look, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to fail. Learn what you don't want to do as much as what you want to do is, is what I've said. Is you try things, be inventive. And, you know, the cool thing for me is so our last three interns, I've all gone to law school. And now this one this year is down to Texas Tech, South Florida and Louisville. And when he came in, he didn't even know how to sign up for the GRE. So that's what I take pride in when we wow. work. People's like, what's your plan? How are you going to do this? Like uh, my my wife, who is probably and, and I, I think Pat, you met her uh, back in the day. Yeah. She she was she's awesome, you know. But she was very yeah. very much didn't have the plan for school. You know, she went to Ashland, ended up uh, being a really good runner, and ended up uh, academically being ineligible. So she left, and ultimately ended up coming to Baltimore. Worked at Mothers, you know, did a lot of great jobs. Was working at. Um, BTP, the Baltimore Technology Park, as an administrative assistant, still bartending. Well, when we moved to Chicago, I said, hey, look, you want to drop out. I'm sorry, not drop out. You want to quit your job, go back to school. You only need you know, a year's worth of credit. She wanted to go into fundraising. She had run for Women of the Year, won it for Leukemia Lymphoma Society. And I said, wow. look, we just need a plan. Like, you need a plan. So here, And that's what I'm good at. I'm a plan guy. I like the plan. I like to strategize. And I said, all right. We'll find you a college. You can go back. We'll do it in a year for you. We'll get the classes set. So ultimately we go, and this is actually one of my favorite stories. Um, she, she ends up going back to this school. We, we sent it out to a bunch of NAIA schools. Well, she ultimately had eligibility left. And, and I was joking with her. She's 35 years old back at the time. And I go, well, honey, you know, you still have eligibility. Well, we had run the five-mile yeah. race. So we ran the five-miler, and, and I was running with her. And I remember one night me talking a little trash being competitive and for those of you in baltimore pat you'll know this we were at little havana well little havana to where we lived in locust point was one mile so i looked at her and i said let's go thinking i'm gonna beat her <laughs> she smoked me i mean i look like i'm like <laughs> crawling she runs like a mi the last mile after four in like six something and i'm going what, what? the heck like so ultimately wow. i say to her i said well hey 
you know you still have eligibility. All right, this is what we're going to do. So we, we sent out letters to a bunch of uh, NAIA schools. And this one coach calls me. I'm down at Auburn. It was back when Dave Benedict was there. I'm on the sideline with DB. And I get this random call from Chicago saying, hey, this is Coach Kevin Credence from Governor State. We'd like Stephanie to come run for us. And we've got scholarship money. And I'm going, all right, is this candid camera? Wow. Like, what, what's going on? So ultimately, she has to go back. She goes back, gets a scholarship to run at this NAIA. They just started sports in Chicago. So we're there in the fall. So this is, or in the, so she starts in January. We leave to move back, but we, we stayed in Chicago really when I was kind of first starting Leona moving through. And she <laughs> finishes her first semester with a 4-0. She's got a plan. She knows what she wants to do. You know, she's ready to go. Well, <laughs> I talked to the coach and I said, hey, we're moving back east. We convinced the coach to let us have her train with me in Baltimore at our place back in Baltimore, I'm starting this up, and we just fly in for the meets. She ends up running an 18-minute 5K, makes NAIA Nationals, and it's a great story. But it, <laughs> it, it's a long way of saying you just need a plan. Like, so I look, I didn't know a dang thing about coaching cross country. I was a stick thrower. I threw javelin. And, and we built this plan. She got down. She was doing five 530 repeat miles. And, like, and I kept trying to go through it. I'm going – all right. I, and at the end, I had to apologize to her. I'm like, you probably could have ran 17 if you had a real coach, but we still had a plan. Like it was, all right, here's what we're going to do. I talked to some friends that coach powerhouse, you know, cross country programs. And, and it was kind of the same thing. Like I tried to do it on my own. I wish I would have had somebody come in and coach her, but she crushed it. And it, but the, the long story of it was she ended up finally having a plan. And I say this, everybody's is, is come up with a plan. Now, don't over plan. You know, I've got one kid who's an intern now who's just going nuts because he's down to like two law schools. And, and I said, look, calm down. You know, you, you've got a 10 and you've got a 10.1. Like either one or you're going to do great. Pick the plan and go with it. Because that's the other problem sometimes. People get so paralysis by analysis. You need to go with a plan sometimes. And, the, and I say the story about my wife was we had a plan. We went through it. She ran well. We tapered. I mean, it, it worked out great. I felt like I should be a cross-country coach now. But, <laughs> but ultimately, she had never had that focus. And I think that's another problem, too, with kids that are coming in sometimes. They have no one helping them find that focus in the industry somewhat. Find a mentor. Find somebody that's going to help you, you know, learn. And, and shut up and listen sometimes. Just sit there and learn. Soak it in. I got so lucky in North Carolina with Gary, with Seth, with Art. I went on these sales calls and just sat there and made and and made notes. And then I remember going on my first sales call with with Seth, and he went with me, and I butchered it. It was so bad. And he's like, "You didn't answer any questions. You just kept talking." And and I learned from it. It, it was that's the way you, you learn is from from failure and going out. But you need someone that's going to help you be that coach who's going to help guide you through that process find a mentor the i think the planning aspect is great uh kind of leads me into the next thoughts that we had uh just thinking about the future um what are the future plans for leona man like what uh what are the what are uh what's laid right now and you know as you look forward you know uh, it's a great question i mean i've been thinking a lot about it the pandemic gave a lot of time to kind of reflect you know and i think we, we all you know, had that I got more time to spend with my family. I mean, I, I was on 188 flights in 2019 to 20. It was insane. 
you know, my daughter was born and four days later, I'm back on the road going to a game, going to see somebody. So for me, first and foremost, it's been, you know, get your priorities straight. You know, I, I, I thank the good Lord for a lot of things. I've got a, a, a mantra of six F's, faith, family, friends, fitness, finances, and fun. And, and I try in, in that order and, and making sure that they go through and, and I, and, I, and, I, and I had to get that right. But all of us and anybody who's listening to this an entrepreneur, you know that there's times that they get out of whack when you're running and going through. So getting that reflection was big and, and looking at it and saying, all right, well, what's next? You know, and, and what, what have we done? And, you know, right now we've been, you know, helping on that external side, being a, being a solutions provider. So it, it's providing more solutions and, and helping across more areas of, you know, the athletic department. But it's really going to be always about helping people find solutions. You know, what does that look like? I mean, I'll say this to you. I joke, my billion dollar idea is I want to privatize the procurement system. But as I look at that, I mean, I, I do think that running it like a business, getting things done quicker will help because, you know, there's a lot of departments that I feel for the people that are in the procurement office. You got someone that comes in and says, hey, go get this pen for me. The next person says, go get this cup. And the next person says, go negotiate an $11 million multimedia rights agreement. And it's like, how are you putting somebody in that situation, you know, that, that they're going to be successful? And I'm all about putting people in situations that, you know, they can fail and then learn how to be successful from. But ultimately, you can't expect unrealistic things. And, and it's, you know, so many times you see an RFP come across a desk that's got all these things that make no sense to what the situation is. Um, so I would love to do that. Now, <laughs> It, it, that ain't a six week, six month, six year plan. Even that's a that's a sixty year plan. But uh, at the end of the day, I think for us, it's going to be just continuing to find more ways to provide solutions to ADs. Awesome. Well, I mean, varsity does a lot of different things. I don't know if we're willing to take on the procurement system with you, but <laughs> we are willing to do different things. So, so give us a call and let's hash it out. But Ultimately. um, but Dan. Thanks so much for joining us today. I, I think it was awesome to kind of hear, you know, the full scope and, and, and kind of put you on the spot for once after, um, you know, the way you put people on the spot. And, and we love and enjoy your podcast uh, as well. And, and just want to thank you again for, for giving us such great insight today. No, I appreciate your time. Love what you guys are doing in the space and uh, definitely looking forward to seeing the continued growth on, on your side and, and, and best of luck. And I know we'll all be getting back in person, hopefully sooner rather than later, because we're all missing it. And I just was lucky enough to be out in Las Vegas before Bowman. So I got to see a few people. And I know everybody's itching to try to get back to normal. So I'm looking forward to seeing y'all uh, in person soon. And thank you for having me. It was kind of fun being on the other side. Awesome, Dad. Thank you so much. Take care. All right, that'll do it. I want to thank you all for listening to the From the Rafters podcast brought to you by Varsity Partners. We'll see you next time.